Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good evening. On behalf of Major League Baseball, we welcome you to our 2020 draft. With the 11th pick of the 2020 MLB draft, the Chicago White Sox select Garrett Crochet, a left-handed pitcher from the University of Tennessee. The bottom line is this kid's got a good, strong arm, and he can throw the out of a fastball and and crank the heck out of a breaking ball. With the 16th pick, the Chicago Cubs select Ed Howard, a shortstop from Mount Carmel High School. School in Chicago, Illinois. All right. Well, what if what if it's the Cubs? I'm, I'm a Cubs fan too. You know, um, I like good baseball, and the Cubs were hot for a minute. I think they still can be. So um, I watch them a lot. Honestly, either, either one is fine with me. The most important thing is that we play Major League Baseball in 2020, and I can tell you unequivocally, we are going to play Major League Baseball this year. It's time for Hit and Run with your host Matt Spiegel. Good morning, baseball people. What's up? This is an ugly, ugly moment. We've been in this moment now in terms of baseball and negotiations and yapping and bickering and playing chicken. We've been in this moment for weeks. My God, just keeps going and going. And now both sides have essentially pulled away from the table. You had the owners a couple weeks ago saying, well, we're going to stop negotiating and we could just do a 48-game season, you know. We could just implement that. But then they did come back with another offer. Unfortunately, it changed very little. It was in bad faith. The owners' three offers have been in bad faith. They're just shuffling numbers around, trying to sell the players on something that looks vaguely different but really isn't, thinking the players are stupid. And the players are, are not stupid. They're angry. The players are trying to win a, uh, a negotiation in a moment when very few people are going to win any sort of negotiations. So I'm grumpy at the players, too. I'm grumpy at everybody. And then I was tweeting this morning at Matt Spiegel 670. Now people are grumpy at me. It's just great. It's a great moment for everybody, isn't it? Good morning, everybody. It is beautiful outside. There should be baseball. There is not. There should be baseball a month from today. Could have had baseball a month from today, even less. Today, the 14th. July 4th was the dream, right? Debut on the 4th of July. Be the first sport back. Have all these eyeballs on you. Invigorate your fans. 
maybe even, wait for it, acquire new fans. Can you imagine new fans? What? What? You mean people who've been starved for sports might check out baseball again? Might see a couple of rules that make things move a little quicker at the same time? Might notice some, uh, some passionate, awesome young players allowed to express themselves these days with a flip of the bat or a celebration? Might see a sport that doesn't resemble the grumpy, tedious thing that they tossed aside a decade ago and be like, whoa, hey, hey, here we are. But instead, you've got owners negotiating in bad faith. You've got players trying to win a negotiation when they feel like they've been pantsed for decades. You've got people not trusting each other and understandably so. When it comes to owners not giving information, players asking for information. All right, well, if we're going to talk about stuff, then give us some more financial information. Owners saying no. Players and, uh, and Anthony Clark not wanting to give up what essentially has been fought for forever, which is the lack of a salary cap, the free market enterprise. That is what the Players Union has fought for and maintained. It's the only sport that has it. So he doesn't want to give that up, which means not even opening the conversation into a straight revenue share for this year because there's not enough openness to do it. It's an absolutely perfect, ugly crap storm. And baseball is trapped in this this ugliness, trapped in this mistrust. And they're not going to give the game to the public, to the fans anytime soon. The very latest is that MLB can implement a 48-game season. John Heyman, about 25 minutes ago, says that if MLB implements a season, it will be 50-something, maybe 50, maybe 52. He said, I think he said the number's going to start with a five. And so, but that's all you'll get. And the owner's not even willing to pay the full prorated salary for 70 games, 75 games, 80 games. I get why everybody's... Mad at the owners. I'm mad at the owners, too. I'm just, I'm not only mad at the owners. I, I don't like the way that the, the players' union negotiates trying to maintain wins from decades and decades ago. And afraid to show any willingness to buckle. The whole world, this whole country specifically, is filled with people who've taken pay cuts and tried to figure things out in this moment. Now, granted, they did take a pay cut through the end of May with that deal that they signed in March. And they thought they had a deal. It all comes back to this. It all comes back to they thought they had a deal for full prorated salaries for however many games they play. And the owner said, no, there's this, this clause in here that we get to talk to you. If we're not going to have fans, we're not going to have money coming in, and we're gonna, we get to talk to you about it and try to do it right. And the player said, no, we don't want to talk about it. And then all these, these offers coming back and forth, have not gotten past that significant hump. We thought we had a deal. Well, we don't have a deal. We need to talk about it. But we thought we had a deal. But we don't have a deal. We need to talk. But we just are going on the premise that we had a deal. So we're nowhere. So they've gotten nowhere. How can you not have frustration for everybody involved when you've gotten nowhere in three weeks? And now everybody's just backing away. Everybody's backing away and everybody's going to go home. And baseball's going to be beaten back to market by the NBA. Probably. The NBA has their own issues. 
But let's talk about it. The phone lines are open. 312-644-6767. You want to yell at me, you can. You want to yell at other people, you can. You want to, you, you want to talk about this and debate this? Let's do that. You know, when, when you say something like, I'm frustrated with both sides, you're bound to anger people. And so it goes. It's not 50-50. What is it? 70-30 on the owners? You want to go 80-20? Okay. I'm not going 100 and zero because don't leave the table. Don't leave the table. Don't throw up your hands and walk away. Be better. Be better than that. Both of you, be better than that. Go to the therapy session. For God's sakes, don't just give up on the marriage. But you know what? We're going to have a good time today. We are. Because we must. Because we have no choice but to try and entertain ourselves, entertain each other. That said, that last guttural sound effect is the true feelings of the baseball universe. That's it. That's sampleable. Was that nice and clean, Sean Anderson? Yeah, the first time was great. Yeah, first. Yeah, the first one. It was very real. It was mm-hmm. very pretty, very hard, pretty authentic as well. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, I'm mad for myself. I'm mad for fans. I'm just I'm mad at the game, and I hate that feeling. This is a work stoppage. Maybe it's it's not conveniently a lockout or not conveniently a strike in terms of what to call it and how to think about it, but this is a work stoppage. And it's, it's the worst-case scenario that we talked about in, in April, in May, and here in June, that nobody wants to hear this. Nobody wants to tussle about this, and everybody is around. All the focus is here for the game, and instead of talking about the goodness and getting ready to play, or even talking about how can we change it with the health protocols, how can we adjust? Instead, we're here. We're talking about this trash. I hate this. This is not why I love the game. This is not why I've built a life talking about sports and talking about this game and writing about this game. Nobody wants to be doing this. I like the intellectual exercise that goes along with baseball. I always have. But it goes along with baseball. Now all we have is the intellectual exercise. That's it. And it's mixed in with, with finance and with union law and with, with negotiations and legalese. This is garbage. It's a terrible thing to discuss. Terrible. You know what I'd rather discuss? I'd rather discuss how do you compare Randy Johnson to things in the world, a cultural comp. Like, is he a giant obelisk like the Washington Monument? Or is he, in fact, a novel like The Great Gatsby? Yes, that's what I'd like to talk about. In fact, I did it with Jason Benetti of the White Sox. He and I do this thing called Good Comp, Bad Comp. It's fun. We, we didn't mention the word negotiations and the whole thing until I think at the end when I said, hey, you know what we didn't mention? Negotiations. And we both had a good laugh. But that's fun. You'll hear that later. Because fun is available, damn it. And we'll try to have some. Our man Chris Kamka will tie the room together at 1140 by delving into uh, the annals of, of baseball statistically and trivially and finding things like only he can that seem to tie the entire room together. 
Our Bruce Levine is going to join us at 940, and he'll give us the latest and, and his take on where things stand. And at the top of the 10 o'clock hour, we'll talk to the, the aforementioned Jason Benetti, the White Sox play-by-play man, and we'll also talk to the Cubs play-by-play man, Len Casper, because we've all got some downtime, and we've all been working on stuff. I am in the unique position to get to work with both of those guys on things um, that are not ball games. And I was realizing that the other day. I was like, wow, how cool is this? I'm a lucky man. On Friday, the third episode of Good Comp, Bad Comp came out. It's me and Jason Benetti working on it. My nephew, Jack McMullen, who you've heard on this show, does the editing and the producing. Does that very well. Proud of that. It's a fun thing. On Friday, the single song called Pills by a band called The 45 came out. I'm the singer on that, along with Len Casper, who plays bass, and some great Chicago musicians. Some of you know, Doug Julin from his band The Sunshine Boys and Expo 76. Gerald Dowd, who plays with Robbie Folks and plays with everybody in town plays with Justin Roberts. Liam Davis, who was in Frisbee and is in Frisbee, is in The Diff and produced this and uh, produces Justin Roberts. He's been nominated for a Grammy three times. Anyway, me and Len have a band and a song came out on Friday. So I, I, I get to work with both baseball guys on different things around arts, culture, comedy, writing, whatever. I'm a lucky boy. So let's talk to those guys about those things as well as each other and baseball And who knows what else at the same time at the top of the hour. That will make me smile. Hopefully will make you smile. Other things we'll do along the way. We found the coolest thing this week as we all continue to work with what we have through the baseball archives. Got a lot of games, a lot of data. The coolest thing we found we try to bring to you every week because there's always something, whether it's an old game, whether it's. You know, uh, an old highlight or whether it's a story or, or something. And this is one of the more unique things. You'll hear that in a little bit. Before we get away from the anger, which will be the subtext for the entire show. Good morning. Before we get away from the anger, let's hear Carl Ravitch and Rob Manfred in a give and take. This is on uh, ESPN. When is this from, Sean? Is it from last night? No, so this is from the draft day once. So this is from uh, June 10th. Unbelievable. So this is from the draft day one. And so this is when he guarantees that there will be baseball. But here we are a few days later. And what has happened is MLBPA put out a statement saying, you tell us when and where we're going to play. Whatever. By the way, they put out a statement last night and then five minutes later put out a revised statement last night. Do we ever find out what that was? Did, did somebody send it in error to everybody in the world, send the email out in error? Or did they just look at it and say, oh, I don't like the way that stood and go back and edit? It's like when you edit a Facebook post or, you know, you, you, you edited a, uh, a post of a, of a blog because you're like, oh, I got to change that. That's what they did with the statement. Because that's what matters now is the words, the carefully curated words of statements saying they're not going to play. Because then MLB sent out their very carefully worded statement after that. And these statements, you know what the disgust is for me in large part? These statements are not even, uh, all they are is, is bluster and legalese to set themselves up if there is going to be a grievance. Okay? Like, MLB will implement this season... Baseball will file a grievance, and their statements uh, will support why they're filing the grievance. And then base, MLB will point to their statements saying, well, this is what we said then, because so no, there is no grievance. 
as they all dance around and do nothing. All the inactivity, all the bluster, all the blah, 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 and no progress. It's gross. Let's listen to Ravitch and Manfred from day one of the MLB draft. There seems to be a tone deafness between your group and the players about what's going on in the present as opposed to a collective bargaining agreement. This is different. Is there recognition, do you think, between the two sides that this is different? You know, I can't speak for the Players Association. I can tell you unequivocally uh, that the owners understand this is different, that they're listening to what their fans saying, and that they are listening to what the players are saying, and they're continuing to make proposals um, as a result of the input that they're receiving from those sources. How will you feel if and when this time comes? We're playing 48 games, boys, and let's get ready to go. How will you feel if that's the end result of this? I'll be disappointed that we're unable to reach an agreement that allows us to play more games. Um, but you know what? I think at the end of the day, the most important thing, and I'm not buying into your number of 48, the most important thing is that we play Major League Baseball in 2020, and I can tell you unequivocally we are going to play Major League Baseball this year. Well, I'll be honest. My number would be 60 to 70 games, and you pay a full prorated salary, and we get back to the game of baseball. Why wouldn't that be acceptable? You know, Carl, I'm not going to get into um, bargaining with you about issues with the Players Association. We'll make another proposal to them uh, that's consistent with the economic realities that we're looking at, including the fact that um, our, our revenues are going to be down over 70 percent. And hopefully um, we'll find some flexibility on the other side and make an agreement. Yeah, it's gross. It, it, it really is gross. I understand. I understand why people are, are angry at the owners. I'm angry, too. When Bill DeWitt says the game is not profitable, you know, baseball is not profitable, and it's followed a day later by the announcement of a billion-dollar television deal with Turner, a billion-dollar TV deal. Of course. Of course that's the anger is there. I just don't want people to walk away. I don't want people to walk away from the table. Because we have inactivity now, and it's gross. And, you know, people are, are saying, uh, Spiegel, you're carrying water for the owners, or you're bootlicking the owners. No, it's an honest opinion. That's what it is. Stop accusing people of carrying water or licking boots if you have a freaking honest opinion. That's not making anything better when you do that. Nothing. Texture's getting in at, at 6.70.11. MLB offering 70% for 72 games, 70% of the prorated salaries. Players would presumably play 72 games at 100%. So you're killing the season over 30% of 72 games? Add additional playoff games to bridge the gap. Not difficult. They want to add those additional playoff games. They're going to do it. But they can't if they just implement the season. So they're going to lose that. So uh, the owners are going to lose that. They're not going to kill the season. They're going to kill 24 games of the season in terms of 72 games, right? So they're going to go down to 48, maybe to 50, so they'll go down to 22, okay? So they're not killing the season, but they're killing the uh, – they sure are killing the passion and the joy and the love in the majority of fans right now over 22 games. Because the truth is, as they have uh, put out there, more games doesn't mean more money for the owners with no fans. So they'd rather just play as little as possible. And that's gross. Only baseball ends up arguing for less baseball. 
less. Texter speaks at this point, both sides are being dumb. 53 year old Dyer Cub fan, but I am done with baseball. I've heard from way too many people saying they're either done or, you know, baseball's really just been a placeholder for me until football comes. Now I don't even care. Heard a lot of that. They're going to get a lot of that. It's the missed opportunity. Just a terrible moment that we can't seem to get out of, and it's another work stoppage, and it's going to make 1994. This has potential to make 1994 look like child's play. If it, they don't come back and play. But they're going to come back and play. So probably won't be as bad as it feels. Probably won't be as bad as it feels. But it sure feels awful right now in the middle of June when the weather is gorgeous and other sports are preparing and trying to figure things out. And you've got sides pushing away from the table. Bruce Levine is going to join us at 940 right here on 670 The Score. And we come back. The coolest thing we heard, the coolest thing we found from baseball's archives. This week, you'll hear it. It will distract you. It will be fun. That's next on Hit and Run. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It looked like it was a belt-high fastball. That is a home run from Ray Knight in Game 7 of the 1986 World Series. I remember it well. I was 16 years old, and... That uh, World Series was crushing to uh, what at the time was a young Boston Red Sox fan. I've told the story before about Game 6 when Buckner allows the ball to go through his legs. And um, Mookie Wilson steps into history and the Red Sox do not win a World Series. And there's so many different things that go on. But with two outs and two strikes and Gary Carter in that game, I called my dad. I was at a party at a girl's house in high school. I was upstairs in her parents' bedroom secretly watching the game while everybody else was downstairs drinking and trying to hook up with each other. Um, and I was watching the game. And I called my dad and said, Dad, do me a favor. Tape the postgame show. And he said, what are you doing? I've been a Red Sox fan too long. Call me when it's over. And he hung up on me. Sixteen. And the Red Sox go on to blow that game. Very sad. Uh, There was supposed to be game seven on Sunday. There was rain. Dennis Oil Can Boyd, 
who uh, was once a minor league teammate with Mike Bryant. True story. Um, Dennis Ocamboid was supposed to pitch Game 7. Because there was an extra day off with the rain, he was bumped. And boy, was he pissed. He thought it was his turn. It was his turn. He was pumped and excited. Passionate guy. Wanted that moment to pitch in a Game 7. He got bumped because Bruce Hurst, the lefty, had been phenomenal all postseason long. And so John McNamara went with Bruce Hurst for Game 7. Red Sox had a lead for a while. Then they didn't because Ray Knight homered, and then eventually the Mets won the World Series. But that all happened on a Monday night. And because it happened on a Monday night, it coincided with Monday night football, something that MLB was always very careful not to do because Monday night football was a juggernaut of ratings at the time. Not anymore. But Monday night football, Al Michaels... Frank Gifford on ABC doing the call from Giants Stadium in New Jersey there. A Giants crowd filled with mostly people who were also Mets fans. There were no cell phones, obviously, in 1986, but some people had little televisions. The Sony Watchman. Raise your hand if you ever had a Sony Watchman. I had something else. I forget what company it was forget who made it, but I had a little handheld TV that I used to use to watch stuff only on network, whatever you could find over the air with an antenna and you'd try and work it out. But listen to this. This is the coolest thing found from the baseball archives this week, in my opinion. And it's not even baseball. Or is it? It's Al Michaels, who, of course, used to do lots and lots of baseball, and Frank Gifford doing a Monday night football game. The Redskins trying to go to the line of scrimmage, but there's a false start, and you'll understand why. From the USFL, he was spectacular, 72 receptions, and he has been able to get himself open here tonight. Uh Uh-oh. The Mets have just taken the lead on a home run. Uh, must be thousands of television sets here at Giant Stadium. And that's the reason for the crowd screaming as they are right now. And in fact, Seaman dropping the flag and the Redskins and the Giants were so startled by the crowd reaction to what was going on, it had an effect on what was taking place here. That's interesting. False start prior to the snap, number 66 offense. Please reset the clock Interesting, to huh? 142. I think the Redskins thought their position Please was going to reset the clock. I think the Redskins thought their position was going to be overrun. Yeah. That crowd erupting with the Mets score. Yep. I mentioned you, Al, three years ago when I was playing. We were playing in Pittsburgh, and the and the Pirates were playing the Yankees. We were recalling that game. We couldn't figure out what was going on. They were radios in those days. Didn't have these little portable jobs. But it is shocking when nothing's going on in the field. All of a sudden, 70,000 people just erupt. This crowd is still going wild over Ray Knight's home run. The sack by Taylor. The Giants used a couple of timeouts. And they should get it back in fairly good field position. McConkey out there at about his own 30-yard line. And now what's happened? Well, the Mets are getting at least another run as Evans gets the ball back in. And Dykstra just scored. This is wild, isn't it? Bizarre. Everybody's got a watchman here or a radio or whatever or word of mouth. And the Giants are going to get the ball back. And the Mets just won the World Series. So that's the reason for the response. And that'll create a little bit of a delay here while the crowd settles down. It will. And it'll delay things considerably for the next few days in New York.
Isn't that cool? <laughs> Monday night football with baseball going on at the same time. No cell phones. Doesn't matter. Radio, watchmen, whatever. Word of mouth pulsing through the crowd. The Mets win the World Series. I certainly wasn't watching Monday Night Football. I don't know how many people were. It'd be interesting to look back on the ratings of that night. Baseball's ratings have continued to dwindle through the years. Even for the World Series, of course. They usually lose to football, to regular season football. To me, that would make me want to uh, bring back the game in the middle of a, of a pandemic and a difficult summer when, when everybody's hurting and there's a dearth of sports content. But no, no, that's not what's happening. That's not what's happening. And you know the reasons why. Come on, Spiegel, you're supposed to delve into fun. Remember that? You were going into fun. You decided you wanted to talk about something really cool from the archives, and he did that, and then you slid back to the work stoppage. Great job, kiddo. Speaks. do you want to go back to the archives? <laughs> Why? Do we have something else from the archives? Well, we, we have something to go along with the, uh, the story of the, the, the Redskins-Giants game. Uh, this is from the New York Times in 86. Uh, NBC cashed in on Game 7. It drew a 38.9 rating and was seen in 34 million homes. The rating is the fourth highest for a World Series game, while the number of homes is the highest ever. And then for Monday Night Football, the Giants and Redskins drew its all-time low rating of 8.8. Wow. Wow. So there so baseball was king, was absolutely king that evening. And for a while there. Good stuff from Sean Anderson. Hey, remember um remember when we got upset about sign stealing? You remember before there was uh this loathsome moment in negotiations and there was this uh horrific infectious virus that killed more people than Vietnam in our country? And uh, before there was this this horrible, emotional, racial strife that dominated our psyches and creeped into every aspect of our lives. You remember before all of that stuff, when we were angry about sign stealing? Feels like an innocent time, doesn't it? What's up with you, 2020? What's up with you? Uh, you know, the sign stealing scope is going to broaden tomorrow, Monday at noon Eastern time, 11 central, when a letter is slated to be unsealed from MLB to the Yankees in 2015. The letter was in the midst of a lawsuit that was filed by DraftKings users. That's my favorite part of this story is that the gamblers on DraftKings were like, hey, we think the Yankees are stealing signs, and that's affecting our gambling. It's affecting my daily fantasy lineup. So let's file a suit. And they did. And MLB and the Yankees, in the midst of it, talked about whether they were you know, dealing with anything legitimate, and apparently they were. So there's a letter from MLB to the Yankees that is going to be released tomorrow. And they're scared. They're scared, are the Yankees, that the letter will put the Yankees in a bad light. The Yankees argue that the letter that's going to be released would cause, quote, significant reputational injury, unquote. That's a solid, solid little term there. And that's what's happening to uh, the sport of baseball right now. Significant reputational injury. But the judge says the letter is going to be unsealed. 
Oh, maybe not until June 19th. So the team has enough time to make an emergency appeal. There is no justification for public disclosure of the letter. Why are they so scared to disclose the letter? Because it probably says, hey, stop sealing signs. Or we know you're allowed to, sort of, but you shouldn't be doing this. Here's the truth. Anything before 2017, when the Yankees and Red Sox were chastised in a September 15th press release by the commissioner, publicly disciplining the Yankees and Red Sox in response to the Apple Watch situation. Anything prior to that is just, a sm- is just considered a smarter way of stealing signs, which, of course, has been legal forever and ever and ever. So there shouldn't be anything to worry about, but the reputational injury means that they think there is something to worry about. Basically, what had happened, what had happened was, and I think we knew this was the case, and this is why it's a big part of my solution. The replay rooms near the dugout, they need to go away. They need to be destroyed, not used. It's just, I think the phrase that Kenny Rosenthal used was, the replay rooms became a hive of sign-stealing espionage. Because there you are with the, the room that close and a different way to say things. Sure. So maybe the Apple Watch wasn't from somebody out in the stands. It was from somebody right there in the replay room. She just got that very short distance to travel. And you're helping. An extra umpire upstairs on the crew at every game with the video. And then he decides, yes, we got to replay this one. Take away the manager's reviews. Take them away. No replay rooms. You don't don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. Sorry, you want to look at tape of an at-bat? Between at-bats? You can find another way to do that. Go further back towards the clubhouse, look at it there, or, or some other methodology that does not involve the availability of a live camera, a live center field camera to decode signs. I'm sorry, but you've lost the ability to have replay rooms. We cannot trust you. So be interesting to see what's in that letter if they went even further than what we know the Astros did, what we know the Red Sox did. Yes, it was pervasive. But sorry, Astros, what you and the Red Sox did was after the 2017 disciplining of the Yankees and the Red Sox in that very public press release when things were ratcheted up. So you should have known better by then. At the very least, you should have known better by then. It is 670 the score. Wow, it felt nice to be angry about sign stealing as opposed to the other stuff. The undercurrent of anger that resides below all of us when it comes to baseball, it's not healthy. I'll try to process it a little bit with our Bruce Levine coming up next with Len Casper and Jason Benetti at the top of the hour. Also, this uh, during the show, you're going to hear from Theo Epstein, who was on with Lawrence Holmes during the week and was really, really good. You'll also hear good comp, bad comp and more. Chris Kampka at 1140. It's hit and run. It's me, Matt Spiegel, with you on the score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It was an eventful week. There was a draft. 
the draft on Wednesday and Thursday. It was pretty cool. It was better television than I expected. And I and others have been more into the draft and sort of analyzing the prospects and trying to figure things out and, and decode what teams' strategies were going to be than I have been in recent years. And uh, both the Cubs and the White Sox come out of their drafts feeling very, very good. We have not spoken about that yet this morning, and we should as part of our conversation with Bruce Levine, usually my partner on Inside the Clubhouse on Saturday mornings on The Score. Uh, for a few weeks, we're taking a break from that while I fill in just about every day doing afternoons with Danny Parkins on the McNeil and Parkins show. So that means I need a Bruce fix, which I'll get on Sunday mornings now on Hit and Run. Good morning, Bruce. How are you? Good morning, Matt. Yeah, we uh, certainly missed you, but Zach and I had a good time yesterday doing uh, Inside the Clubhouse, and we will welcome you back when you're ready to come back. It's almost like we have to do a negotiation to see how many shows you'll do. Will it be 48, 52, or will it go to an arbitrator? I'm going to need my full prorated salary no matter what, so I would like you to send a proposal back to me that takes that into account, Bruce. Well, I'll change the language in it, but you'll still get the same amount no matter what. <laughs> and there we are. And here we are. Good night, everybody. The standstill, the standstill has been has and, been and, dissected. And yeah. Matt, you know that's the essence of um, of this whole deal here is that <laughs> neither neither side has really moved off of a dime here. They they really have not uh, negotiated uh, what I consider to be in total good faith and, and by that i mean that they're, they're posturing uh, the posturing has been more important i think to either side uh than the the overall money the the, the both sides have been dug in saying players saying we, we're going to take only full rated you know pr- full pro prorated amount no matter how many games we play and the owner is saying here's the money we have to offer you um you know it was in the contract that we would negotiate uh, how much money we could pay you if there were no fans in the stands. And this is what we think we can pay you. And that hasn't really changed much. So what we what we have is just a bunch of uh, people that are doing uh, basically negotiating a CBA when there's no CBA to negotiate. Mm-hmm. The deal's already in place. It should have gone already to a arbitrator initially and say, what does this language really mean? What's your interpretation? Then they might have been able to negotiate this better. Instead, it's going to be backwards. It's going to go to a negotiator, hmm. you know, or a, an arbitrator, and they're going to figure it out later on. But it's always about, you know, we want more money, and the other side saying we're not going to offer you any more money. So that's what it is. It's that clause that said, "Hey, if there are no fans, then we agree to come back to the table." Most people that I have seen who've written about that who, you know, have a legal background, say that that clause has merit, that, yes, the, the, the owners do have the right to reopen conversations. The, the, the players do not think so. Do the owners have the right to reopen these conversations, Bruce? They do, and they, have, they also have the right to implement uh, by, by paying the full amount at an arbitrary amount of games, okay? As long as they pay the full amount, uh, the players have no other reaction but to go back to work. That's what Tony Clark and his people are saying, okay, uh, we've negotiated as much as we're going to negotiate. Now tell us how many games we're going to play, when do we start, and let our people go. And, and they're getting the full amount, just like we said 
you know, we, we uh, negotiated with you on March 26th. And the player and the, and the owners, from their perspective, they're trying to show uh, very much that they're trying to still negotiate this thing. And um, both sides are uh, primping and posing for an arbitrator down the line. Mm. Um, Bruce, to a, to, to a different story here, because... Well, I guess before we go to that, I saw that John Heyman tweeted, a, 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 I don't know, 45 minutes ago that the games may be more than 48, that it could be a number that begins with a five. Is, it, is that possible? I, I, think the, I think the practicality of how many games uh, they still can play and how long the um, spring training and getting to uh, spring training sites are going to take uh, certainly is an is a important part of this, man. I mean... <clears throat> if this is the 15th of June, they decide, and it takes a week to get in, right, the 22nd, and they're going to play three weeks now in, in spring training instead of four. <clears throat> so you can start you can start July the 15th, okay? But that gives you 30, 60, uh, probably about, uh, and another 12. So that gives you about 72, day, 72 days. You're not going to play 72 games in 72 days. Yeah. to end September 27th. So the number the number that makes sense right now, you're going to have to have, you know, a day off a week or, or something similar to that every 10 days. I would say, you know, 65 games is, is a, a practical amount to play if they uh, implement for um, this mm-hmm. this coming week. But it, again, um, they're not they don't want to pay them a 65 uh, game uh, full prorated. They they lose uh, a couple hundred million more dollars, which uh, is not going well. Plus, we're not going to get the benefit. They're not going to get the benefit. The players are not going to get the benefit of expanded playoffs. If they implement, there'll be none of that. None of these things that were negotiated will will be come to fruition. It'll just be the normal playoffs. Uh, <clears throat> all that other stuff has to be negotiated between both sides. You're not going to see them uh, negotiating anything further uh, if a season is implemented. And, and and so will the players all show up to play? I mean, Tony Clark ends their most recent statement with, we're ready to play, tell us when and where. Um, and it's, you know, it's saying that they will show up. What recourse do they have in terms of not showing up if there is any, in regards to health and safety uh, or negotiations? Well, they can show up uh, if they have health reasons and can, you know, prove it, substantiate it. They They'll get their service time, and, and that'll be it. If they don't, uh, they just decide not to play. They don't get service time. They'll, they'll just be considered not, uh, not going to work. You don't get paid. That's it. Mm-hmm. You don't get paid. You don't get your time. Um, that's, that's the same thing as trying to strike, uh, which isn't allowed here because both sides have an agreement on, uh, on playing here with no, no strike, no lockout language uh, allowed in either part of it. All right, let's let, let's talk about the draft because um, that actually makes has potential to make people smile for you're, a moment. You're, you're, uh, you're too confused. You're you're too depressed, like all of us baseball fans are, right? I am, man. I, I'm 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 depressed. I'm angry. A guy a guy just said on Twitter to me, Bruce, like you know, this is just a game to most people. It sure sounds like it's personal to you. It is personal to me. It's well, absolutely I, I think, personal. I think it's personal to every baseball fan. Look, people get the idea that if we cover the sport and that we were broadcasters or writers for a living that we don't love sports. And that's just, you know, that's just not even close. I mean, yeah. 
you know, we, it is a job and, you know, we do have to perform in it, but, uh, we went into it because we love the sports so much. So, mm-hmm. uh, that's, you know, we're as angry as anybody else. And I'll tell you this much. Um, I think baseball, you can choose a side if you wish, but I think baseball's done a tremendous amount of damage to itself already. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and I, I'm going to be interested to see, uh, in the future, how this is reflected uh, by fans wanting to attend games when everybody feels it's the right time to go back and also uh, how they received the game uh, uh, as far as the the rest of it. I just, uh, you know, both the game is, you know, people that own it and the players are are unlikable at this point. And uh, it's, it's just unfortunate that fans have to reflect on this rather than the game they love. Absolutely. There's a ton of damage. I'm getting messages from people in all sorts of forums saying that I've turned to indifference. They have turned to indifference. Uh, By the time baseball comes back, you'll probably have NBA playoffs underway. You'll have NFL training camps underway. You'll have options to just not bother paying attention at all, as opposed to the momentum of of baseball in isolation for a couple months, which it usually has, and then you carry that into a postseason. You, you add that to what has been dwindling interest in ratings for a while in terms of non-attendance, and you, you do have serious damage. But, but, you know, so will it be yeah, great then, enough? Then again, you, the owners will say, hey, you know, you guys are, are kidding yourselves because we just signed a, uh, a deal that gives us a 40% increase with our TV partner, TBS, through 2028. Yep. So obviously, uh, you know, TBS and Fox and ESPN, they're not stupid. They they project the future and uh, people watching the games uh, as well as anybody. So there's probably uh, major aspects of this that you and I are missing. So the White Sox um, very aggressively took this kid, Jared Kelly, in the second round. A lot of people thought he might be a top 15 pick in the first round. They took him in the second round. They're going to allot the majority of their draft pool money to signing those first two guys, two big-time pitchers with big-time arms. Um, Aggressive, unique strategy that Mike Shirley pulled off, isn't it? I think so, and they they could, you know— like you said, they're going to go over slot to, to pay Kelly. And uh, the rest of the draft is inconsequential. They drafted some good kids, and they got they got a shot. But, you know, these two guys, they can project over the next year or two, you know, in their mind. Even the high school kid they think is so progressed, they consider him the most progressed, uh, not, not only them, but a lot of people in the game consider him one of the most progressed young uh, high school pitchers for a long time. So, uh, the they, they might be able to project both these guys for um, the rotation in two years or one of them the rotation, one of them a dominant uh, pitcher in their bullpen. Uh, you know, the White Sox, you know, from from where they came from, you know, four years ago, they they appear to be, and, you know, you have to have some luck when it comes to uh, player development and health, they appear to be as in good a shape as anybody in baseball right now. And then your thoughts on Dan Kantrovitz's first draft. Um, some of the specifics, if you want. We know about it. Howard have talked about him. Burl Callaway, or is Carraway, um, in, in the second round is an awfully interesting arm. But overall, your thoughts on what Dan Kantrovitz and the Cubs did? Well, I liked it. I mean, you know, they, they went against, they went, they went uh, even though there is a weakness in their system for starting pitching, they, they went for the best player. Uh, they could have easily taken a college pitcher or a high school pitcher and gotten some uh, some positive results out of it but instead they went for the best impact player they felt was there and they felt that ed howard 
uh, defensively is as good a shortstop as any college or high school shortstop uh, out there this year. Now, that, that's a big statement, but that's how they feel. And at 6'1 and 185 at 18, uh, they feel it's a, an athletic body uh, that's only going to grow to be uh, continue to be a, a shortstop and, and keep his uh, athleticism and be a dominant player. They, they think he's going to hit, and they think he's going to hit a lot more for power. So um, I, I applaud them, and I applaud uh, Kantrovitz for uh, going after the guys they felt were more impact rather than drafting for need. You always hear people say, well, we're going to take the best player available, but they don't always do that. Some teams do draft uh, for uh, positions when they feel it's a weakness, and, and the Cubs uh, remain steadfast to uh, going after the best player available at those points. Bruce, thank you so much. Enjoy your Sunday, and um, I will talk to you soon. And I there will I, be baseball, Matt. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not coming back. I don't know if you're going to gonna like it. You think you think anybody's coming back to the table? You think they'll come back to the table and and, and talk <laughs> some more or no? Never say never. <laughs> never say right. never, Matt. Have a great day. You too. That's Bruce Levine uh, from six seventy. The score right there. When we come back, Len Casper and Jason Benetti, colleagues, rivals collaborators, um, at least uh, with me, and um, we should get them to collaborate on something. Maybe we'll get to that by the end of the segment. It is Hit and Run on 670 The Score with me, Matt Spiegel. Keep it right here. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.